It is a real privilege to uh, be here with you all this morning. And awesome time of worship. Where's Joe and the band? Good, good stuff, guys. Thank you for that. What time is it? All right, let's crack on. Let's pray and let's get into the word this morning. <clears throat> Lord, thank you for this chance to be together this morning, to worship you, to hear from you, to be in your presence. And I pray this morning, Lord, that you would just speak to us afresh. You would just touch our hearts. You would set us free and set us on that path of walking in the blessings that you have for us this morning. And I do ask that you would just anoint me afresh to preach your word this morning. In your name, amen. Well, as for those of you who are here at the start of the service, Chris mentioned that we are continuing the series, The Blessing, which we started way back in November, uh, a five-part series entitled The Blessing. And those five weeks looked at what the blessing is. And we looked at the blessing as found in numbers and unpacked that. Certain things such as peace and protection and presence and power. Uh, and there's a few others. And I encourage you, as Chris said, go onto the website. You can still see those talks now. So today marks the start of the next five weeks of the blessing, part two. And where the first part was what the blessing is, uh, this part is about how to walk in the blessing. You know, it's all very well known there's a blessing there, but how do you actually avail yourself of it? How do you walk in the blessing that is available to you? And so we're going to be spending five weeks unpacking that for you. And you know what? Just interestingly enough, it's very apt, and we didn't plan it this way, that this kicks off the week after Easter. Because indeed it is because of Jesus, is it not, and the work of the cross that means that we can indeed walk in the blessing. It's because of what he did at Calvary, that he fulfilled the law on our behalf, and so his righteousness was given unto us in order that we can walk into his blessing. Wonderful. Thank you, Jesus. Now, here, here, who, who here, should I say, knows that we always have a vision and a proclamation for the year? Yeah? If you've been here long enough, here's a test. What was last year's? Anyone? Chris, you got, yeah, you got it right. Of course, you gave it. But anyone else? <laughs> you, yeah, exactly. Make Crystal happy. Come on. Yeah, I'm sure someone whispered it. Pressing in and pressing on with what God has for us, right? That was last year. What was this year's? Come on. This, you should know. Harvest time, yeah. Any other words you want to use? Open heaven. Yeah, that's right. This is a year of open heaven. This is a year that we're going to walk in the promises of God, right? Favor and influence and affluence. And you know, I'm privileged in this position as a lay pastor to speak and pray with many of you and indeed being part of the team. We hear about stories of how you guys are getting on. And the truth is, to be honest, for many of you, it has been anything but. This is the truth of it. It's been a bit tough. So what does that mean? Does it mean we got it wrong? Has Chris misheard from God? <gasps> Shock horror. Well, Chris, if this is what you call open heaven, I'd rather not thank you very much. I enjoyed pressing in and pressing on. That was a little bit tough, but boy, it's been hard. Does it sound familiar? And you know, it's interesting when we read, read the word that there was another bunch of people, the Israelites, that were going through the same problem. And we're going to look at that this morning and see what we can learn on the question of setbacks and delays when we walk in the blessing. And we're going to look at the story of Israel when they came out of Egypt and they went through the Red Sea. And you can find that story in Exodus 12 and 14. And we haven't got time, unfortunately, to read all of it this morning. Uh, but we are going to look at chapter 14 together. 
And you know, I, on a personal level, have really spent time in this passage, really lived through it and walked through it. And I've come to see it, honestly, as one of the most beautiful passages in this Bible. So complex and yet so simple. Historic, yet so prophetic. I'd encourage you when you've got time to read all of those chapters. And the reason that it is so prophetic is that while it tells of a story of a people coming out of Egypt, it also speaks to our own spiritual condition. It speaks to the spiritual battle that we're in, and it points to Jesus who saves us. And, you know, if we felt so led, we could spend the next few weeks just unpacking this. But this morning, I want to look specifically, as I said, on that question of setbacks and delays. So let me, let's turn together uh, to Exodus 14, which I'm going to read from. It'll be on the screen as well. It's a bit of a chunk of, of scripture here. And so um, very briefly, as you know, Pharaoh, 10 plagues, finally said, okay, off you go. And the Israelites head off. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near Pi Haheroth, between Migdol and the sea. I practice that a lot. <laughs> they are to encamp by the sea directly opposite Baal Zephon. Pharaoh will think the Israelites are wandering around the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and his army. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, what have we done? We have let the Israelites go and have lost their services. So he had his chariot made ready and took his army with him. He took 600 of the best chariots along with all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly. The Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, horsemen and troops, pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they encamped by the sea near pi Haheroth, opposite Baal-Zephon. As, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching on them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there was no graves in Egypt that you've brought us out in the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? I preferred pressing in and pressing on, thank you very much. That wasn't in there, was it? No, sorry. <laughs> Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid, stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. Amen. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. You know what? I think I'm going to leave it there. I may come back to that. So if we were to provide a summary of what's happening here, what would the summary be? What about this? Before we walk in the blessing, often delays will come our way. Now, you might say to me, but Mark, when they got through the Red Sea, weren't they in the wilderness for 40 years? Well, let's be accurate about this. That was not God's intention. You see, they come out of the Red Sea, and they were going to Kadesh, and they were going to take the land at that point. But it was because they were not bold and courageous that they took hold of what God had for them. And in fact, next week, Chris is going to unpack boldness and courage for us. And so they were about to go and take this land of milk and honey. You know, they were in Egypt for 430 years. They would have heard the stories. One day, we're going to go to the land of milk and honey. 
One day we're going to leave this place. And it seemed that this was the moment. Pharaoh finally said, off you go. They said, fantastic. It's a year of open heaven. Let's go, guys. And you know, Pharaoh said, go quickly. And in fact, they found favor with the Egyptians. We read in Exodus 13, they plundered the Egyptians. They took gold and silver. They had a taste of what was to come. They had a taste of what was to come. And for many of you, in the start of the year, you had a taste. The prospect of a new job. Your health results seemed promising. The relationally, things were going better. Yes, this is it. And so they leave. You know, 600,000 men plus women. About 1.2 million people. That's the size of Hertfordshire, guys getting up one night and moving out. This is epic stuff. And they leave, and it's looking great, and they camp in that place that I can barely pronounce. And then what happens? They look up. You are kidding me. It's Pharaoh on a warpath. What? Are you serious? This can't be right. This is a year of open heaven. We're about to walk in the blessings of God. Look, I've got some silver. Look, I've got some gold. There's more of it to come. How do they respond? You know what? I'll be honest, the same way I do when these things happen. Fear comes knocking on the door. You are kidding me. And they said to Moses, were there not enough graves in Egypt? Why are you doing this? Why, God, have you allowed this? You said, God, that it would go well on this, and it hasn't. You said, you said this relationship will be healed, and it hasn't. What's happening, Lord? I don't understand. It would have been better how it was last year. And I, you know, I read this and I think those silly Israelites, don't they realize that God is going to part the Red Sea as if they knew what was happening? <laughs> don't, don't they remember the 10 plagues? Surely, no problem. Those chariots are going to fall over when they get near us. You know, I'm no, I'm no different really. God has done amazing things in my life and yet when these things happen, I'm still, oh, where are you, God? You left me now, haven't you? I'm hoping those smiles mean I'm not the only one. This leads us on to the first question of two questions I want to answer this morning. We've set the scene. Here's the first question. So why does this happen? And more specifically, why does God allow it, these setbacks and delays? It's a fair question. Well, here's the first thing. We've got to recognize that we are in a spiritual battle. We are in a spiritual battle, folks. Ephesians 6.12. What does does, uh, our friend Paul say to the Ephesians? Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but every principality and powers, every spiritual realm. That's what's really happening. This story, while historically accurate, of course, tells the story of a spiritual battle that is raging around us. This is what's actually happening. You see, here's the thing, guys. When we walk in God's blessing, we take territory away from the enemy. That's what happens when we walk in blessings. You see, the blessings of God is the manifestation of his kingdom here on earth. That's what the blessings are all about. And the the, the enemy hates it. His whole raison d'etre is to stop it. He's on a short leash, by the way. D-Day has already happened. Victory on the cross. We celebrated it last last week. But we are heading to V-Day where there will be the final victory when Jesus comes again. And in that time, the, the enemy, the devil, is going to do as much as he can to stop the advancement of God's kingdom. 1 Peter 5.9 says, Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. In fact, Pharaoh was that lion, was he not? Yeah. What have I done? I'm not going to let them walk in the blessings that God has for them. No chance. Let me encourage you this morning. 
The fact that you are facing resistance means that you're walking into the blessing, not the opposite. And some some of you this morning, that's just your eyes are just opened. The enemy's tried to confuse you and lie to you and saying there is no blessing. Let me tell you something. That means the blessing is right there. But here's the good news. Where the enemy schemes, God redeems. You know, I love the story of Joseph in Egypt. And, and you know, the famine here and eventually his brothers come of, who had sold him into slavery. And they realize it's Joseph and, and they weep and they say, we're sorry. And what does Joseph say? He says... What you intended for evil, God intended for good. In other words, God is in control. Romans 8, 28, one of my favorite verses, God works all things for good for those that love him and are called according to his purpose. That begs the question, what are the good things then? If you allowed this for the Israelites, Lord, why? What was the good thing about the delay and the setback that they faced? If you've allowed this setback and delay, Lord, on this blessing, why have you done that? And, you know, there have been many sharper minds than I, many, many, who have written long books on the subject. And, you know, Google them and find them. But I want to just touch on four very brief ones. And I do it briefly because I want you to take these away and maybe meditate and study on them yourselves. Here's the first one. To build character and to test our faith. I don't know about you, but we love our mountaintop experiences, don't we? Love it when everything's going great. Woohoo! This is great. I can believe in Jesus. Look! I can worship him because I feel great, right? And by the way, God wants us to have those mountaintop experiences. They are fantastic. But here's the truth. The deepest work happens in the valleys. The deepest work happens in the valleys, not on the mountaintops. It happens when we are forced to call upon God. Help me, Lord. We recognize that we are nothing without him, right? Our humanity is shown to us. And his sovereignty is declared. Romans 5, 3, 4, write this down. Paul, on the subject of suffering, says it's to build patience, endurance, and character. That's what happens. And then the question is, okay, whose character? Romans 8, 29, to be conformed to the image of his son. That is the character that God is working in us. You know, in Galatians 5, it talks about the fruit of the spirit, love, patience, kindness, faithfulness, all of those things. That fruit is the character of Jesus. That's what happens when the Spirit works in you. That fruit that you bear is the image of the the Son. And so it's in those hard times that God builds that in us. 1 Peter 1.7, I know I'm going through these quickly. Write some notes if you need to. To test our faith. Now, when it's a test, it means to prove our faith. So in those times, God says, do you really trust in me? And we say, yes, Lord, in spite of how I feel, I trust in you. And it says in 1 Peter 1.7 that our faith is of greater worth than gold. So that on the day that Christ is revealed, we will lead to praise and glory. Okay, build character and test our faith. Second one, to prepare for the blessing. To prepare us for the blessing. You see, God wants his blessing to be a blessing, right? That's pretty deep, eh? You like that? Yeah, that was worth the price of admission, wasn't it? But the thing is, one of the things that can tarnish the blessing is pride. Huge thing. Proverbs 16, 18. Pride leads to destruction. A proud attitude brings ruin. 
What's pride? It's this. Taking the place of God, put simply. God will not have it. In Exodus 14.8, we read it. It says, the Egyptians, sorry, the Israelites left Egypt boldly, right? But here's the thing I want you to see in this account. They left Egypt in boldness, but they departed the Red Sea in praise. They left Egypt in boldness, but when they came out of the Red Sea, they were doing so in praise. What happened? God humbled them. Man, you know, the danger would have been, they come out of Egypt, there's no Red Sea, head to the promised land, and they, and they tell stories and think, you know, that Pharaoh wasn't such a bad guy really after all, was he? I mean, 10 plagues, that's pretty hardcore. Poor guy. He let us go eventually. And you know what? We were pretty good with those Egyptians, yeah? You see the way I took that gold and silver and I, and I walked out of there like boldly? Man, I deserve this milk and honey. I work for this milk and honey. Yeah. Okay, I'm playing it up, but you get the point right. What happened was they come out the Red Sea and you can read it in Exodus 15 and said, thank you, God, you were the one that delivered us. That didn't happen when they came out of Egypt. But something changed and that's what God does in those setbacks and delays. He strips us of our pride and we are humbled and we say, Lord, it's only because of you. It's only because of you. Okay, third one as we skip through these. To walk in a deeper fear of the Lord and to trust Jesus for bigger battles. <clears throat> Exodus 14, 31. We didn't read this, we didn't get to it, but let me read it. And when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, when the waters came flooding over the Egyptians, it says the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. Something happened there. So what's fear of the Lord? Well, you know, we can get hung up on this. Think, well, hold on, God is love. He doesn't want us to fear him. Yeah, not in the way of being scared of, but you see, here's my, here's my definition of fear of the Lord. A deeper understanding and awareness of the holiness and power of God, which has such an impact on us that it changes the way we live our lives. It's as if it creates in us a narrow path. What do I mean by narrow path? Matthew 7, 14, narrow is the path that leads to life. You see, isn't it interesting? They could only go down this narrow path through the Red Sea and look up to God. And that is what the fear of the Lord is. It's not wishing to offend a holy, majestic, awesome God. And so we live our life down that narrow path. Here's a couple of scriptures. Write it down. Proverbs 19.23, the fear of the Lord leads to life. Proverbs 9.10, the fear of the Lord leads to understanding and wisdom. And if it wasn't for the Israelites going through that narrow pathway through the Red Sea, they wouldn't have feared the Lord in the way they did. And then trust Jesus. You know, up until this point, Moses was this guy who had come and done all this stuff and seemed like a great guy and he's saving us, but you know what? They didn't have a, a joint experience until he went before them and walked through the Red Sea. What does that mean? It means that they could identify with him. He had gone through what they had gone through. And let me tell you, we can identify with Jesus. He, it says in the scriptures, he was tempted in all things and yet without sin. He went through setbacks. He went through delays. And so when you're in that place, you can call upon Jesus knowing that he went there first before you. 
And just as the Israelites, if you like, were baptized through the waters of the Red Sea with Moses, so we are baptized with Jesus. Wasn't it wonderful with the baptisms last week? Wonderful. And so we trust Jesus for bigger battles, you see. Why? Because there's going to be bigger battles, guys. I'm sorry to say. More opportunities for God to to show how good he is. Let's move on. Last one. For God to demonstrate his glory. You know, you would have heard the phrase from this pulpit many a time. His unified purpose in all things is to bring glory to his name through his son. You know, it says uh, in Exodus 14.4, it says, I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he shall follow after them and I will be honored upon Pharaoh and upon all his host. That word upon is interesting. You know, Matthew Matthew Henry, a great um, commentator of the Bible, lived in the 17th century, said this on this verse. All men being made for the honor of their maker, those whom he is not honored by he will be honoured upon. Those who he is not honoured by, he will be honoured upon. Referencing, of course, Romans 14 and 11, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. God will be honoured. You see, when we come through the fire, when we come through delays and setbacks, what we see is the right hand of God move. What we feel is our is our dependence on him. What we experience in that moment, guys, is the glory of God. We allow God to be God. That's what happens in setbacks and delays. And we worship him as God. And that's where we find our truest peace, our truest happiness, when we worship him as God. And then as we bring this plane into land, here's the last question. Given all that, how do we respond then? Okay, Mark, I get it. There's some good things coming from that. Great, but it's still painful. I hear you. How do you respond? Let's rejoin our friends, the Israelites. They had nowhere to go. Behind them were the Egyptians. On the left was an unpassable mountain range of the place that I cannot pronounce. And the right were its known forts and garrisons of the frontiers of Egypt. And in front of them was this Red Sea, unpassable. Where could they go? The only way was up. God. It was miracle time. Moses said, do not be afraid, Exodus 14, 13. This is what he says. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance of the Lord will bring you today. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. It says in Hebrews 11, by faith they walked through the sea. You know what, guys? There are times when there's setbacks and delays and all we can say is, Lord, please fight for me. Can't do this anymore. We could say, we'll try and make a run for it. I'm a pretty good swimmer. I could might swim through this Red Sea. (laughs) I don't care if there's forts and garrisons over there. I'm pretty strong. I can negotiate my way out of this predicament. I can persuade them enough that they should say sorry. I can wiggle my finances in such a way that I can make it happen. But you know what, guys? Sometimes we just have to stand firm and wait I'm just reminded of that story of King Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles. Three armies come upon them. What does God say? Just wait. I will fight this battle for you. And it does require faith. Because the Israelites said, what? 
there is a sea here. <laughs> and then the water's part, and they're like, okay, this is pretty cool, but you want me to walk through it? Now, just, let's just, just add some color to this. It's at nighttime. The, the, the wind passed the waters. It would have been howling. The amount of wind required to move water, right? They would have been petrified, and yet Moses is saying, follow me, guys. And as they walk through, it says the water was as walls. Are you in that place? Seriously. You look around at your world and you think, it's going to fall down on me any minute. And you want me to walk by faith and trust you, God? You brought me to this place for shame, haven't you? And let me tell you, the scripture says, those that wait on the Lord will not be put to shame. Well, it would be great if the band could come up. Let me just say this, guys. God knows these setbacks and delays come. He's allowed it to do a deep work in you. You're going to allow God to do it and say, I have faith and trust in you. And for some of you, God is saying, listen, son, listen, daughter, I want you to trust in me. Stop looking at the waters. Stop looking at the pitch black around you and have faith because I'm going to come through with you. That blessing I've talked about isn't an eternal carrot. It's for you to grab hold of. I want you to have it. I want you to stand. Let's just stand together. I just want us to wait on the Lord. You know, our senses will tell us one thing. It's impossible. But faith tells us everything is possible in Christ Jesus. Holy Spirit, will you come now? Let's just wait on him. This series isn't just practical. It's about allowing the Holy Spirit to minister to us and empower us as well. And for some of you this morning, you were in that place. Things were looking good. Health results were getting better. Job prospects were looking rosy. And yet something's happened. And you looked up and Pharaoh's descended upon you. In this time, just wait on the Lord. Let him minister to you. Faith comes from hearing the word of God. Speak to your people now, Lord. Pour hope and faith in their hearts. Come, Lord. Bring healing, Lord, where there's pain, where there's fear. Would you pour your love in now, Lord? Come. Now we do this from time to time. We, we pray for each other. I just get the sense that God wants to heal some of you this morning of disappointment and tiredness and pain of this setbacks and delays. 
If that is you, I want you to do a bold thing. Just put your hand up. Okay, many hands shooting up over the room. Holy Spirit is ministry. If, if Look around. If your hand's not up, I want you to go and partner with someone. What do I mean by that? Go and put your hand on them and bless them. Look around the room. There's lots of hands. If you haven't put your hand up yet, put your hand up. If you're in that place and you're looking for a breakthrough, you're needing a breakthrough, and you're tired of the setbacks and delays, and fear is knocking on your door, put your hand up. It's not late. It's not too late. Thank you, Lord. And look around the room, guys. If there's someone's hands up and they're not being prayed for, go and pray for them and just pray the Lord's blessing on them. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, more, Lord. More. Bring your healing, Lord. Come, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus is saying to you this morning, stand firm. You see, just as Moses reached out his staff and the waters parted. So Jesus is your high priest interceding for you. Jesus is praying for you right now. It says in Hebrews, he is our high priest. Thank you, Lord. Come, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Where those tears come, let them come. That's God healing you up. That's God healing you up. Perfect love casteth out fear. Thank you, Jesus.